Welcome inside a special Locked On crossover edition of the Locked On Senators and Locked On Wild podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. With me as always is Brandon Piller, and we're joined by one of our best friends on the network. It's Seth Dupal from Locked On Minnesota Wild. We're going to grill him about Philip Gustafson and a whole lot more ahead of tomorrow's game against the Ottawa Senators. But Seth, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Fellas, what's happening? Uh, love the start that we've had to the season. Uh, oh, wait, no, the Wild are uh, not where we want them to be, but hey, there's time. Yeah, it's only been a few games. That's what you're telling yourself, right? I do it just to keep myself from going insane. Well, last <laughs> last number of years, like the Wild have always been a stout defensive team, and now they're giving up goals more than I can keep track of. What's gone wrong? You know, I have looked at everything that possibly could have gone wrong for this team. You've got just some bad defense by a defensive core that boasts Jonas Brodeen, Jared Spurgeon, Jake Middleton, Matt Dumba, names that normally are good defensively. And just for whatever reason, that core has not been able to get it done so far this year. You've got bad goaltending. The only thing that really has gone well so far has been the power play. Penalty kills not doing that well. And so it was about as bad of a start as you could possibly have imagined for this team. But hopefully it is a little bit of a wake-up call that they're not going to be able to just do what they did last year and outscore teams 6-4, to 6-5 to five every night. Got to do a little better in those key areas. But we got time to write it. Now, this team didn't really, correct me if I'm, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but didn't really go through a whole lot of turnover in the offseason. Eh? Pretty much just losing Fiala, uh, trading Talbot for Gustafson. Was there any other major moves that could kind of lean towards why it's been such a rough start? Or it's just from what I've gathered, uh, Seth, from reading uh, Athletic in the article, uh, uh, article in the Athletic, sorry, is that a lot of these key players that popped off last year, your Hartmans, your Dumbas, all these guys, they just had a bit of a slow start. Has that been the major concern? That's spot on. And in terms of turnover, that's been pretty much it is Talbot and Flurry, okay. or uh, not Flurry, uh, Fiala. Starts with an F. We got it. Um, Close. Yep. Those two guys were the big losses for this team. Now, some of the acquisitions they made, Nick Delorier for one, fourth-line guy. He ended up getting the bag from uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. But those were the two major losses. And so you have mostly the same core that comes back. And Bill Guerin touched on it the other day uh, in a piece that Michael Russo did for The Athletic. In Guerin said – look, we kind of, I think, just came into this season expecting to be able to run it back and do the exact same thing. And it's just not the same team this year that it was last year. You're relying on Marco Rossi to fill some time. You are relying on a couple of other guys to step in, Kalen Addison for one, to uh, step in and lead that power play. Now, he has, I think, exceeded expectations so far, but it's been a little bit of a uh, slow start for Rossi. And as you mentioned, Ryan Hartman, Marcus Foligno, Jewel Eriksson I could go on and on. Those guys just have not started the season off on a good note. And it has led to having to completely juggle these line combinations for the Wilds. They don't really have a solid go-to line at this point. You've got Kaprizov and Zuccarello. You're never going to separate those guys. But you know, beyond that and beyond having the uh, second-rated power play in the entire NHL, which shocks me every day I look at that number, beyond that, it has been pretty much a, everything that could be off to a bad start is. 
So I understand the panic, as all fans do, fanatic for a reason, but they've also lost to some pretty good teams. Like the Rangers and the Avalanche are two of the final four teams from last year and, well, poised to be really good throughout this season. Boston was undefeated before playing Ottawa, and then they take them to overtime in Boston on the road. And then their other loss is 7-6. You lose by a goal, sure, defensively you want to tighten up. But that's against an L.A. Kings team that I think is going to take another good step this year. Sure, the one wins against a team that has zero wins on the season in Vancouver. But they came from behind in that game too, didn't they? So they showed a little bit of gumption. Now, I want to touch on, on that top line. You mentioned Zuccarello and Kaprizov on either wing. Great place to start. Who would your ideal centerman be for those guys? And who has it been throughout the start of the season? Still Hartman? So it started with Hartman, but he has just kind of, he's just kind of been lost out there through the first few games of the season. He's turning the puck over in the defensive zone, which has led to a couple of goals directly. And so he has now uh, been benched down to the uh, third line as a wing. So that just shows you kind of, how much that has fallen is that the team is hoping that by him focusing on playing a little more defense and not having all of those duties that a center has for your team, hoping that they can kind of jog him a little bit and get him back going. You've got Freddie Goudreau, who is going to step up and be the center for Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Now, I think the hope there is that he can channel some of that energy he had with Kevin Fiala and Matt Boldy last year in being and I've said this on a couple of shows, and I, I don't mean this to be like I don't mean this to be like I'm bashing him. To be a like a functioning third member of that line. He doesn't have to do a ton. I mean, Kaprizov and Zuccarello is your line mates. You don't have to do a lot. You just have to be able to do some of those little things, like winning some of those battles, face-offs especially, winning some of the puck battles along the boards. So Goudreau will be the uh, the latest one to be tried there. Jewel Eriksson-Eck is another option for this team, but he's more of a defensive center at this point and a tap-in specialist, although maybe that would be a good fit with Kaprizov and Zuccarello this year. The thing that fans want to see, and I don't blame them for this, is Marco Rossi, the, uh, the center of the future. You want to see him be a top-six guy. I think it's just a little early for that. We saw it in the preseason, which leads me to believe that we will see it at some point this year. But I think they want to see, especially with how chaotic the start of the year has been, I think they want to see a couple of good games from Rossi with Matt Boldy on his line before they make the decision to elevate him. But it's not going to shock me at all if we see that at some point before the season's over. Ultimately, Guys just got to start kind of picking it up so that we can uh, get some semblance of coherent lines going uh, here for the season. Yeah, because you could see that last year too. Like, of course, Hartman had a career year by all accounts, but it was always kind of their depth down the middle where you have some defensive-minded guys, sure. But like at some point last year, I think Frederick Grudrow was playing top six minutes. And it's just like, is that sustainable? And I'm glad you brought up Marco Rossi. Of course, he's a legend around junior hockey circles in Ottawa playing for the 67, starring for them for a couple of years. Like, he's off to a slow start, but he's playing fourth-line minutes, averaging under 10 minutes a game, still looking for his first NHL point. Now, the irony to me, and we've seen this with young centermen coming up through Ottawa, is usually they struggle in the face-off circle. He's won 11 of 17 draws, but how would you assess his performance and what would give him that next step in your mind? I think he just needs to, and the coaching staff has said this, I think he needs to just kind of focus on his game and 
everybody's trying to hit home runs every time they have the puck with this team, it seems like. And so everybody just kind of dial it back. One of the great things about Rossi through the entire preseason was that he was battling everybody for every puck along the boards, and he just looked like a guy that factored in as part of this equation. We haven't seen as much of that yet. Now, granted, his minutes have been very inconsistent. A couple of games ago before he was scratched from the lineup, he didn't play for the final 13 minutes. That was the game in which Jordan Greenway got re-injured. And so if there is ever a time for a guy to get extended minutes to try to help with that, it's that game, and it didn't happen. So it's been frustrating, to say the least, uh, so far. But nobody, I think, has lost any hope that Rossi will be able to um, continue his uh, his development. We are just a few games into the season, after all. And so I think he just needs to get back to his game, and uh, that's going to lead to some uh, some good minutes, and that's going to lead to some better opportunities as we go. Just while we have you on the 67th thought train, Jacob Middleton also started up here. What's your thoughts on him since coming over from San Jose? Uh, Middleton is just a, a stud. He is such a good physical defenseman, something that is severely lacking for this team. You have guys like Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen. They're more pursuit-type defensemen. They're guys that can go lock down uh, Connor McDavid, but they're not somebody that's going to be able to go fight in the corner as much Middleton can knock anybody down with ease. And I think it just was a perfect match for this team with the type of defenseman they have to bring in that wrecking ball. And I, I have thoroughly enjoyed every single minute that he's played uh, since with the exception of some minutes during that blues series. But let's be honest, there are a lot of players that were like that. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed his time here and I'm glad they extended him because I think what he brings is a very, very needed commodity for this wild defense. So we've hit on the forward group. We've hit on the decor now. But, Seth, from what uh, I'm seeing here, it seems like the biggest issue in Minnesota right now is the goaltending. And as a hashtag goalie-friendly show, we got to get into it, especially because now Philip Gustafson, former Ottawa senator, we had high hopes for him. He showed Flashes of brilliancy at the end of the one NHL season, and that that really caused the Sens to protect him in the expansion draft, which, thinking back now, just seems crazy. A. Eh, Ross, if that's uh, that's the guy, that <laughs> that's the guy they went with. I had but, to bring up that. <laughs> but now you're looking at a situation where he's a big piece of this Minnesota Wild team because. For Marc-Andre Fleury to really be able to thrive, it seems like, especially later on in his career, he needed some competition pushing him. He needed a guy that was kind of looking over his shoulder and that could shoulder some of that responsibility. I'm not convinced Philip Gustafson is that guy yet. Seth, how do you feel about your goalie tandem here? Because it's quite a big difference from Fleury and Talbot to Fleury and Gus. It can only go up. Uh, at this point in the season, I mean, it, it has been about as bad as it could possibly have been to start the year. And you look at it, too. I think the most frustrating part is that while the defense was having all these coverage breakdowns and just not able to effectively cover the D zone, you've got Flurry who, and this is one that I think really sticks with me, it was against the Kings, and it was a shot from the top of the zone, and Flurry wasn't focused on the shot at all ended up giving up a goal and like that was the problem from the get-go of the season was that the goalies were not making 
even the basic level saves for this team. And Flurry, to his credit over the last two games, has given the team good enough goaltending to win. Now, they get the win against Vancouver. They get a point against the Boston Bruins. So are we seeing them kind of turn a corner? I have hope that Gustafson uh, can bring something to this goaltending tandem. He looked good in the preseason. I think it just was such a chaotic mess for this team over the first few games of the year with the goalies not being able to block the shots that they needed to, the defense not providing any help. There were plenty of opportunities in which the defense allowed opposing skaters to walk right into the zone. And as a goaltender, what do you do about that? If you've got unchecked skaters right in front of you that just have whatever they want for a shot, that's a tough ask, especially for a younger goaltender. And so I am just hoping that a lot of this gets righted then we can make a full evaluation as to where things stand. But like five games in, and especially those first three games, it's like, I don't even know how you evaluate that because it just was so bad. So that's my hope is that we get a nice sample size from Gustafson. I'd imagine he'll start one of the games this weekend at the very least since we got a back-to-back. I want to be able to see some games where we can evaluate and say, okay, What are the good things he does? What are the things that he needs some help on so that we can try to figure it out? But for right now, just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's still early. That's the thing. And my kind of position on Gustafson, Seth, in Ottawa, he never really got a clear, definitive, okay, this is going to be your role. And if he did, it got changed by goalie injuries happening. He was up and down through the NHL. Playing well, in Belleville three, all over the, the place. Remember the three goalie system kind of screwed it all up too because you had to have an extra guy on the taxi squad. So he was, yeah. yeah, it was just all over the place. Yeah, he just never really had a clear path. So I think knowing that he's going to be a traditional backup to Flurry should allow him to focus in and settle in a little bit more. Now, last thing I want to touch on for the Wild, and we got to get to this because at the end of the season, the Ottawa Senators were on Kevin Fiala watch, myself included. We all thought, okay, this is the guy they're going to target. He's a top six scoring winger. He's coming into a new contract. Perfect guy to play with Tim Stutzla. We all know that went a different direction. But the Minnesota Wild are now without a lot of those points. Who is it that's going to have to replace Fiala's numbers for this team to succeed like they did last year? Is it Rossi? Is it Boldy? Who are you really looking to step up to replace those numbers? I'm glad I have a definitive answer for this one um, after just having to kind of debate whether or not we can even take anything out of the first three games of the year. It's Matt Boldy. Uh, He has so far looked phenomenal. And you talk about a wild team that has really never been a above 20% power play team throughout their history. Uh, Being at 36% right now is almost directly tied to what Boldy's been able to do for that top power play unit. It's like having a second Kaprizov on that unit in terms of ice vision and passing ability. Not necessarily the speed that Kaprizov brings. Um, I, I don't think that race would be particularly close. But you just have two guys that are so good at seeing open spots on the ice. And Boldy has created this deadly combo on either side of the net with him and Kaprizov where they can basically just play catch and try to figure out who's open for shots or take them themselves. 
Boldy's going to be the one that takes most of the Fiala production, and he just looks so much better even than he did last year, which is super encouraging. He's taken that leap. I don't think he'll have any issue being a number two scorer on this team. There are people in Minnesota starting to wonder if maybe he becomes the number one guy, which is Whoa. certainly a that's certainly a spicy take. And uh, I'm a fan of spicy food myself, so I I can acknowledge that. But uh, that might be a little too soon. But um, no, I got Kaprizov in the MVP discussion. If the Wild can turn around, yeah. of course. Like, come on. Well, and yeah, he his numbers aren't going to go anywhere. But it's it's clear we've got a one-two punch that is very effective. And even to Matt Zuccarello's credit, a third option this year. Those three guys have been great so far this year, minus the plus-minus. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's another show. That's losers. Yeah, that, that's another show. But those three guys have been great. And, yeah, Matt Boldy is going to be the one that, that takes a lot of that production, if not all of it. I like that, uh, Matt Zuccarello. I like the the veteran guys who can come in and rejuvenate themselves. We just spoke to Dane Lewis from Locked On Stars. Like Joe Pavelski, kind of the same boat. We're hoping that Claude Giroux can continue that up in Ottawa. Like You need those vets that just come in and stabilize everything and make everyone feel good. And Pilsy, I don't know if you know the totals here, but Matt Boldy, 45 points in his first 52 NHL games. That's wow. coming in hot as a 21- and 22-year-old. Um, and he is going to get a little bit of shine, although not eligible for the Calder. 47 games. He would be if he was uh, if he had played a little bit less. But you know what? You already got yours with Kaprizov, and we can talk about that another time. But <laughs> if you are interested in betting on things, whether it's the Calder or games or anything, head over to betonline.net. It's the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network, and for good reason as well. They've got all your props, odds, player performance lines, and everything else you need in the world of sports for your news, your podcast, literally everything. Go check it out yourself, betonline.net. Pilsy, if you were looking at a Minnesota Wild player that you're hoping hits the over of their, what you would expect them to hit, what where would you look at this year? Oh, it's got to be betonline.net. Well, let's go there and check out all the latest odds, props, player performance, you name it. They got it. It's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, Ottawa Senators hosting the Minnesota Wild tomorrow at the Canadian Tire Center. You listen to this on Wednesday. We will be honest and say we're recording right before the Wild host the Montreal Canadiens. I would imagine that Marc-Andre Fleury gets the start in his home province before uh, friends and family, all that. Now, Seth, are you thinking that Fleury plays again in Ottawa on Thursday, or do they give Philip Gustafson a chance at the revenge game? Boy, that's that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, you know, with just going like game by game. I'm like, okay, Flurry's getting Tuesday with the day off in between. He's probably getting Thursday, and then one of the back to backs over the weekend will go to Gustafson. But I, uh, I'd almost like to see it. I'd like to yeah. see what uh, what Gustafson can do against his former team. Maybe he gets a little ice in the veins, uh, stands on his head a little bit. But I would imagine I would love to see Gustafson. I, I think all the Sens fans want to see it, and, and not uh, not to dunk on the guy or anything, but just uh, you, you love to have that extra added emotion. And he tried with Murray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It didn't oh, exactly he didn't write happen. That. Yeah, and the last thing we want to see is Mark Andre Fleury as Sens fans uh, have seen enough well, of that guy. No, the last time I remember seeing him was he was laying on his back after Zach Smith wrapped it around him, but then. 
Matt Murray came in, the rest is history. As they <laughs> but yeah, Marc-Andre Fleur, I'm pretty sure, has pretty good numbers against Ottawa in his career going back to his time with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You won't see Cam Talbot, anyone listening for the Wild, that uh, is hoping to see it. He cracked a rib in his first preseason game. So Ottawa had to go out on waivers and pick up Magnus Helberg, who got his first NHL win. Sorry, with Ottawa. Get this stat, though, Seth. Magnus Helberg, three NHL wins. One with each team. One with New York, one with uh, Detroit, and one with Ottawa. First goalie in NHL history to win his first three games with three different teams. That's not bad. You'll take that. I mean, it reminds me of uh, Andrew Hammond was always one that the Wild had in their system, uh, the Hamburglar. Oh, and oh, You know a thing or two about the Burglar. Yeah, his, yeah. his legend is well known. And so, you know, if you can, if you can create one yourself that, uh, that doesn't rival what the Hamburglar did, it's always yeah. a good thing. That was the most fun I've ever had watching hockey. 21-2 and two to make the playoffs on the last day of the regular season. They needed that win on the last day of the season. And I believe it was a 3 nothing shutout in that game in Philadelphia. But wow. neither here nor that's hilarious. And Andrew Hammond name drop. If you had to endear yourself anymore to Sens Army, you just did with that one, Seth. But what is it from the outside? You, you follow the league as a whole. Like, What's the perception of Ottawa in the great state of hockey in Minnesota? This is an up-and-coming team, and I think Wild fans started to take notice after the Cam Talbot trade. But, you know, you, you look at what the Senators are building and what they needed going into the season, and it just seemed like they needed that veteran goaltender to, uh, to kind of come in and stabilize things, much like the Minnesota Wild did when they signed Talbot as a free agent to start off the Bill Guerin tenure. Now, you've got some heavy hitters, but uh, it also is a Senators team that has uh, run into a little bit of bad luck Injury-wise, guys, what uh, what's the latest on Josh Norris? We don't have a definitive answer, but it's not looking good. I mean, it was a non-contact shoulder injury. Norris has had issues with his shoulder in the past, already in a young career for a centerman. That's tough. He was taking the draw, fall, falls down, and you could just tell there's nothing left in that shoulder. It leaves the ice, smashes his stick in the hallway, so... It's not going to be good. We're, we're looking at weeks rather than days, uh, that's for sure, when it uh, comes to Josh Norris. But the good thing is, it seems like it's not an all-hope-is-lost type thing. The Senators made a savvy signing in Derek Broussard, PTO. He got the contract, and Derek Broussard has slotted into a second-line center role, albeit just for one game, small sample size. But he's proven effective. One goal in one game. I'm not a stats guy, Seth, but that works for me. <laughs> You know, it's yeah, funny. It's funny too because you you talk about Giroux, and he was a target for the Wilds when they were gearing up for the trade deadline. Didn't end up working out, but um, I always just look at teams that have young centers that could help the Wild. And Stutzla obviously is, you know, as as good as you're going to get, having some great seasons to start his career. So I'm always envious of that, but it just you look at what happened in the first matchup between these two teams last year. Um, I think the Wilds kind of got caught off guard by the Senators, and then they played later in the season, and that was one that they ended up losing. So it just shows you that if you have a team that's kind of on the the upswing, and you are a team that is maybe more veteran laden, and you're not on your game, it is very easy to come up on the wrong end. Uh, when those two teams match up, no matter home or away. 
Yeah, I think that's really well said. And I remember that game. That actually started the month of hell for the yes. Ottawa Senators, where they had one win in November. But that was uh, – they actually went 1-11-1, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't Philip Gustafson get that win? Yes, he did, against Pittsburgh. Yeah. He did. And Huge. guess the overtime loss was against Minnesota. I believe it was a Kaprizov OT winner on a two-on-one. Yes, it was. Not Just put it past uh, maybe Gustafson again. The chances are Murray was hurt at the time, so um, we can we can assume that it was Gustafson. But no, you're right. And now Ottawa's, I think, well, the league's taking notice. Even if you just see the NHL social media platform, they they're pumping out all these stats. And easier easier to do when you score 22 goals in four games. Kind of looks like the Minnesota goals against in the last, in the last <laughs> few. But no, it's it's fun to watch this team kind of grow. And now they're they're starting. Well, hopefully. They're going to start getting other teams best. They're still, um, they're still getting other teams' backups. Dallas came up here and played Scott Wedgwood uh, on Tuesday night, but there was a bit more reason to it, Pilsy. I don't think we even discussed it, but it was a back-to-back for them, and they're playing in Boston, and we know Jake Ottinger went to, to BU. So they, they had a little bit of uh, other extending circumstances of why the backup played in Ottawa. He also played in Toronto, though, so maybe they weren't. Ottawa's just used to over the last five years, Seth, getting everyone's backup when they come through Ottawa. So it felt kind of like a slap in the face to get it again this year. They've also played against not Matt Murray last minute, Sam Sonov, but argue amongst yourselves who the real starter is <laughs> in Toronto. But you're right. We're going to start getting other teams best, and it'll be interesting to see how they react to that and react to injuries. This is the first, you mentioned Josh Norris, first guy to leave the lineup from opening night. And it took them two games both on the road. They lose to Buffalo, a 4-1 score, two empty netters. It was a one-goal game, all, all things considered. And, uh, you know, you got to tip your hat. Craig Anderson had 37 saves, oldest guy in the league. And it honestly, and I'll, I'll send you the stats if you want them, if Gustafson is named the starter. Ottawa's numbers against their old goalies are astoundingly oh, bad. No, I believe yeah. it's three wins in 40 games against, like, Leonard, Bishop, Anderson. Like, it is Wild. It's over 1,400 shots and a 938 save percentage for goalies who have, who have played for Ottawa. And that goes to, like, Andrew Hammond came in with Montreal and shut them out last year with Montreal. He's, like, three-quarters out of the league, and he still shut them out. So I'm interested to see if it is Gustafson. That storyline could continue or not. But this team is is really just kind of gelling on all cylinders. Like Pilsy said, Derek Broussard went in and just played second line. How often do you see that? A guy go from the press box to the second line, play power play, penalty kill. Like They didn't want to touch the chemistry on all these other lines. So I think that's something to see if and how Derek Broussard can continue in a top six role. Well, and fellas, this is going to be interesting too because um, the Wild spent a couple of extra days in Montreal and uh, – Michael Russo with some A-plus reporting once again, saying that the team kind of took that time just try to reset. You know, it's a rough start. Nobody wanted the team to get off to this type of a start. And so I, I think it is important to just kind of take some time to look at what went wrong and try to just give yourself a breather. And so I'm going to be very interested to see if, you know, and we're, we're recording this before the Montreal game, but if this starts a trend for this team getting back to where we would expect them to be, being more physical, blocking more shots, playing better team defense, which leads to better goaltending, getting some better results on the penalty kill, uh, I think if there is a time for this team to reset and turn it around, it's going to be now. And so you know, this, this road trip that I think 
coming into the season with the anticipation that we had, you maybe thought, okay, there are a couple of games on this that are going to be tricky, but as, as it stands right now, I can't put any of these games on this five-gamer for the Wilds. I can't put any of them as guaranteed. So I, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out because it hasn't gone well to start, but really seems like it can only go up from here. So from your perspective, what is the biggest challenge the Wild are going to face going up against the Senators? Like we, uh, we like to do keys to victory for our uh, pregame show. So what is the Wild's key to victory to beating the Ottawa Senators on the road? I think for the Wild, they're going to need to do something that they have not been able to do all season. This is going to sound super cliche, but I can verify they haven't done this yet this year, is to shut down a top line for an opponent. They have not done that in any game so far this season, and so I get to I get to use that card because uh, <laughs> they haven't done it yet. So if we can get some better defense from this team, just trying to limit grade A scoring chances, that's going to go a long way because then if you are able to get without the benefit of the Jordan Greenway, Jewel Eriksson-Eck, Marcus Foligno line, if you're able to play better team defense without the benefit of that line, you can match up better as opposed to continuously chasing like this team has for the uh, the first five games of the year. They just they need to commit to better defense overall, which is going to help take some pressure off, maybe give them an opportunity to take an early lead. But as of right now, number one line for the opponent has been a big problem. Well, we're looking forward to seeing Kirill Kaprizov in Ottawa. I think that he's just a tremendous talent, worth the price of a mission. Give give fans who could be going to the Canadian Tire Center, who's a maybe more undercover Minnesota Wild player? We already talked about Matt Boldy, so stay away from him. But someone who's worth keeping an eye on uh, if you're really trying to, you know, um, isolate on one guy throughout the game. Fantastic question because I have the perfect one, uh, that being the new power play quarterback, Kalen Addison, for the Wild. If you want – a good opportunity to see just how much of a difference he has made. And I have had my expectations for Addison to help out the power play, which he has, and to just kind of blend in defensively. It hasn't been anything where we need him to be like a shutdown guy. Collectively, the team hasn't been great, but he hasn't done anything where you say, okay, that's just an egregious mistake. But that power play with him as the defenseman and with Kaprizov and Boldy and Zuccarello and Eriksson Ek is fun to watch. They do a lot of really interesting things with the puck. And so if the Wild get power play opportunities, keep an eye on number two because uh, he really is the one that stirs that drink, which is crazy to say considering you have a unit with Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Boldy, Matt Zuccarello, and Jewel Eriksson Ek on there too. He's a free agent in my fantasy league. Is he worth a pickup? I'd say so. All right. There we go. I, I like it. I'll definitely, I'll definitely keep an eye out for him. And oh, uh, just pick him up. You can't have him. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick trigger on that one. Um, but for the wild listeners, if you guys are and uh, yourself, Seth, if you're looking for someone to watch out for the Ottawa Senators. For me, it's an easy answer. It's number 12. It's Alex Dabrinkit. This guy was brought in to score goals for the Ottawa Senator. He has scored one goal. Not on a goalie, though. It was an empty net. But it was good to get that monkey off his back. But 
It hasn't been for a lack of trying as this guy got seven shots on goal the other game. He's averaging like five shots a goal on goal a game. Their Sens are trying to feed him. He's getting opportunities, just hasn't really clicked yet. So I think he's going to be going full force to try to really, truly get the monkey off his back. And he's someone that uh, the Minnesota Wild will know well and uh, vice versa as he spent a lot of time in Chicago. So I'm going to be looking uh, out for Alex Brinkett to have a big game. And I think if the Sens are going to win, we're going to need to see him to start popping off a little bit more. But he has been getting points. It's not like he, he's one of those snipers. Like It's not like he's line A where if he's not scoring, you might as well bench him. He's been producing. He's been moving pucks. He's been getting shots on goal. But just a little snake bitten when it comes to beating goalies here so far. 28 shots on goal in six games, and he only yeah. had one against Arizona. So that's 27 shots in the other five games. He's getting them on net. He's wow. getting stoned. He's getting, you know... Um, they're going to go once one goes in, I think we're going to yeah. see two, three or four come pretty quickly after. Yeah. I don't know if Pilsy mentioned the one goal he does have is on an empty net as well. So, you know what? There, there's that, but I think with Alex to I'm looking right now. Yeah. Nine points in 15 career games against the Minnesota wild five goals. Okay. Not as bad as I thought, or not as many as I thought. Yeah. 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 It's straight. He's spread his scoring out quite a bit amongst all, all the teams he plays against. So, you know what? That just to me means that he's due. So yeah, in <laughs> yes. 15 career games against Minnesota, he has 31 shots. So uh, contrast that with 28 shots in six games so Jeez. far this season. So he's firing the biscuit quite a bit. And uh, just as another guy to watch out for, I'll say is Shane Pinto. He's got goals in five straight games and people from your neck of the woods, one stayed over in North Dakota. He was a Hobie Baker finalist with Nodak. The Nodak sends, we called them because they had four guys on the team at the same time. But this kid is a rookie of the year candidate would have been last year, but uh, shoulder separation limited him to five games. He's just come out red hot and wins faceoffs. And then like you said, They've got Josh Norris out, so if they need offense, they might move him up, and he could play with Debrinket and Giroux, kind of like they do on the power play. Unlike Minnesota, where they load up that one unit, Ottawa spread it out. Like They've got Stutzla and Kachuk on one unit with Shabbat, and then Debrinket, Giroux, and Pinto with Sanderson on the other. So it'll be interesting to see how Minnesota defends that, and I'm excited for tonight's game. You got a final score prediction before we go, Seth? Six to five. I I don't think I don't think we're quite there yet defensively, um, and so I'm going to take some goals. I think we are going to see uh, a couple from Kirill. We're going to see one from Boldy, and I think fourth liner Sam Steele is going to light the lamp as well. Okay, but that's a six-five Sens win. I'm assuming. <sighs> no, Wild got it. <laughs> Regulation? No, I think this one's going to OT. Okay. 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 Head to betonline.ag. Get some good odds on that one for sure. Pelzi, what do you got? I- I'm with Seth. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, but a close one. I'm going to go 5-4 cents regulation. All right. I'll go 5-3 cents. I'll go 5-3 okay. cents. Seth, we have so much fun chatting with you. Will you join us in the postcast tomorrow? Absolutely. Count me in. Yes. All right, we will see you there. In the meantime, make sure you're following Seth at Seth Toops on Twitter, and you can follow Locked On Wild. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Wild on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Go leave him a five-star review and tell him how handsome he is as well. Seth, we really appreciate this. We'll talk to you in the postcast tomorrow, and uh, go Sens go.